So, Witt, thanks for uh, joining the show today. Appreciate the time. So these uh, these pro-Palestinian protests are becoming very commonplace, a nearly every weekend event, it seems. You were in D.C. covering this over the weekend on Saturday. So real quick to begin, did, did you happen to find yourself in D.C. on that day, or were you tipped off to this rally being held beforehand and you went out of your way to cover it? Nick, it's good to be with you. They are pretty good. Some of these organizations are pretty good about posting what they're going to be doing and how they're going to be doing it. I've covered uh, well over a dozen of these in the DMV area, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and they don't post the locations until closer to the date. So during the week, some of the groups just put out some information that they were going to have a, a protest starting at one location. They changed locations. And uh, one of this size, I mean, they had people busting in from almost 20 different states. One of this side is they're going to take a little bit of planning. So they had a, a good amount of warning ahead of time. And sorry for getting a little too far into the weeds before getting to the substance of the coverage that you posted to your X account. That's at WID underscore Lyman. There seems to be a lack of media coverage of this rally, of this protest. Is that also what you saw on the ground? That's totally correct. There, there was plenty of media at at the actual rally itself in Freedom Plaza with the speakers. And at the start of the rally, there were dozens of people covering and talking and interviewing. I mean, I saw outlets from all over the world. Al Jazeera was there, some of the Fox affiliates, CBS affiliates. And then later towards the evening when the protesters made it to the White House, I mean, there was me and a couple other independent journalists, and I didn't see anybody else as far as mainstream media. So there, there's a total lack of coverage on their part uh, towards the end of the rally. You kind of alluded to it there, but again, granted, this is on the East Coast in the middle of winter, so it does get dark fairly quickly. But uh, this rally and protest started in daylight and was still going into the dark. Was this an all-day event? We got there probably close to like 11 or so, and there were thousands of people already at Freedom Plaza. It was just across the street from the White House. And it went until the evening hours, the seven-ish hour, until police kind of cleared everybody out. So it was a it was a long day, a lot of walking, a lot of standing. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, a bit of a, uh, a layered question here. So the, these protesters, what were they saying? What were their signs saying? Was this a pre-Palestine rally? Was it more pointed as anti-Israel? Were there any calls for genocide? Maybe there was a mixture, but maybe there was a majority consensus or maybe another option. Did most of these people even know why they were there? Were they just kind of caught up in the uh, kind of the liberal, you know, fervor? That is a good question. And there are different answers to this question. So the organizers and the leaders of the rallies will put out chants Free Palestine, River to the Sea, sort of the more classic ones that you've heard. But some of the offshoots, they're a little more direct. I've heard Long Live Hamas. I've heard Death to Israel. They, they change the tune a little bit as they kind of move through. But there are tons and tons of groups here. I would say everyone definitely knows why they're there. They're, they're there for different purposes, but they have their own reasons. You know, calling for an end, a ceasefire now, an end to the war. Uh, a free Palestine. They're all kind of the same genre of thought, but they certainly know why they're there and, and they change quite a bit. As far as signage goes, I saw everything from ceasefire now to a, a picture of Uncle Sam covered in blood. I saw babies, uh, um, baby dolls, dolls, <laughs> doll babies covered in red that they were throwing at police. 
I saw watermelons everywhere, which we can get into what that means, and just all kinds of just bizarre signage and decorations. Certainly a lot of effort and time would go into a lot of these. Well, maybe you can get into what the watermelon means with this next question of were there any arrests throughout the day? Um, and, and I guess and why? I mean, maybe you don't know the exact details and, you know, the write up from the police. But was, was there any violence in the beginning portions of the day during the, uh, you know, the kind of sunlight hours? So in the beginning, uh, direct violence, there was a situation where one of the protesters ran out into the front of the march and he had a three to four inch knife on him. And another protester actually grabbed it out of his hand and called for police. And they immediately detained the knife wielding protester. That was the only, I don't even want to call it an arrest because I don't know if he was arrested for sure. That was the only person detained or arrested uh, that I saw the entire day. And that included the evening hours. And I believe uh, Capitol Police uh, second that as well. They didn't make any arrests. The watermelon is interesting. It's a it's a seed idea. So basically, where one is, there are many. I think is the idea. Or if or if one Palestinian goes down, many more will rise. It's this seed concept. Uh, they carry a lot of watermelons around. It's a it's a great fruit, though. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Were there any counter protests, or did were they pretty? Were they scarce, or just did they not exist at all? There were zero counter protests against them but i will say that within the protests there are different factions and some are more extreme so for instance you know you're towards the front of the march and everyone's waving flags and chanting and then another group shows up and they have the black jihadist flag which is similar looking to the isis flag but not quite the same and organizers and other protests ran over quickly to tell them put put your flag away that's not something we want here and that group gets excited and, and upset and we have all this on video at borderhawk.news too. So feel free to take a look. But so I don't know if they call it a counter protest, but more extremes of the protest are certainly present. Okay. And so outside of the White House, there were some fences that police were kind of helping hold up, barricading. And uh, according to your now viral footage, the people, the protesters began shaking the fence and eventually were able to kind of bust a section down. Can you walk us through that experience? Sure. So on the north side of the White House, there's Lafayette Park, which is a public area. And then there's a large, thin uh, walkway in front of the White House fence. And the last time I covered this protest, there was nothing between the walkway and the actual White House fence. They had this temporary bike gate, bike fence that they removed the last time. And this time they were far more well prepared. They have this tall, I want to say eight or nine foot high It's basically a crowd control fence. They put it outside the Capitol. They put it outside the Supreme Court uh, in the last few years here. And the the bottom part is flat. It's about three feet by three feet. So in other words, you can't just push it over, Uh, although many people tried. It's designed to maintain and keep people inside. It's also hard to climb. There's no good footholds or handholds. So they have this this fence out in front. Uh, it runs the entire length around the White House, and several thousand people showed up, and they immediately took to the fence. I mean, there were hundreds of people pushing on it, climbing it, yanking on it, and then the uh, the really spicy part, I guess you could say, was they lifted it off the hinge, so it's hinged at the top and the bottom, and they lifted it off the hinge. It falls 
riot police are right there to sort of try to put it back up, but they totally broke the fence and Capitol police were unable to fix it the way that it had normally been fixed. They totally broke through this one section and there was a mad, mad rash of people who went kind of beelining for the fence. They're throwing objects and flags and poles and water. They're screaming at police. They're climbing the fence. It was a, a total mad dash for the opening. And, it, you know, you and your listeners can only guess what would happen if they had gotten through. OK, so they didn't get through because, yeah, I mean, that kind of is going to be able to help us visualize the uh, kind of my next question. So did they break through or Capitol Police able to and maybe better prepared uh, than in previous incidents and in holding these people back? So breakthrough in the sense of did they get past the fence onto the White House grounds? No, they did not. Breakthrough in the sense of did they get past the fence and kind of made a little a little progress? It was minimal, if any, but they did breach the fence. They did destroy the fence, get through it. And if police weren't there to hold it up and push them back, they would certainly have flooded that space between the White House fence and the large fence. I try to be as clear as possible with the definitions and the explanations, right. but so I actually looked this up. I looked this up, Nick. So a breach, um, according to the, uh, the verbiage, the, uh, the, the goal here is a gap, make a gap in and break through a wall barrier or defense. So they certainly breached that area. Uh, did they pass through? Not, not exactly, but they definitely breached it. So, as we discussed at the top, there was very little mainstream media coverage, especially at this time of day during the protest. And as I searched for this story online, it showed just that very little coverage. And anyone who did cover you did, you know, cover this story used very uh, specific language, purposeful language, I would say, saying pro-Palestinian protesters damaged some fencing protesters rattled the fence protesters shout at police only the washington post said protesters breached the fence to that, to that uh, verb you were using there the daily mail said white house staff are relocated during this incident all interesting choices of words and the fence was breached again as you mentioned based on the definition of the word they were throwing things at police one could argue the white house was evacuated you know, sometimes both sides try to use the most loaded language to fit agendas. But you were there. You you witnessed this. You witnessed the speech and kind of the the level of aggression these these protesters were using. This event um, is being compared to January sixth online. What is your opinion? Rattled fences or breach? Relocated staff or evacuation? Protest, riot, or insurrection, as some people are calling it. This is such such a good point, and this is the crux of the whole thing in my mind. And this is where language matters, you know, right. verbiage matters, and you know, it really does make a difference how you describe these things. You know, was this an insurrection? Does this rise to the level of J six? You know, I find those two instances somewhat difficult to compare, just because of their scope, what was going on during that process, you know, the lead up to it. I think it's a very very easy thing for me to say that J6 had a lot of uh, lies told about it. It had a lot of negativity about it. It had a lot of overblown press coverage. Not to say that you know there was something that was going on that was awful. I, I do believe that, but I believe it was still blown out. And to say that this event was underplayed, I think is also fair to say. So the, the truth is somewhere between those two. And, and my job as just being a reporter is just to show the footage and, and just say what happened and, and people can draw their conclusions. 
you know, you're, you're standing there on the ground. There's hundreds of people yelling about how much they hate the country that you love and talking about the president and terrible language directed towards the president and horrible language directed towards the police. And, you know, they, they break through the fence a little and hundreds of people are rushing forwards. And you can only surmise what they're going to do if they get through. Are they going to attack police? Are they going to get to the White House? And, you know, you can only surmise, I guess, and make a guess. But it's my, my job is to kind of put the footage out there and then people can draw their conclusions. It's really hard to compare the two. I was thinking about this, too, Nick. So say you're at your house and someone tries to break in. That's a different situation than if you're not at your house and someone breaks in. So I think Biden not being in the White House being gone does change the optics a little bit. Now, I think that if he's present and these protesters are there, it's a different environment. So maybe maybe it's deliberate that President Biden leaves every weekend to go on vacation. But it's so hard to draw that conclusion. Uh, all I can say is the footage speaks for itself. And if all those people were outside your house, I'm sure you'd be pretty upset. Yeah, for sure. You know, and uh, that's a good point about be- Biden not being at the White House as well, because Either there would have been more police there and that this could have, you know, helped the fence stay, you know, actually operational or the optics of what happened could be even worse. But, yeah, it is it is an interesting comparison and it is a difficult comparison with January 6th because, you know, there's there's a lot of speculation as to was that partially staged? Was that uh, just a complete, you know, failure on Capitol Police and Nancy Pelosi for not actually uh, allowing enough of a police force to be there for the size of the people that were going to be at the protest were these were the Capitol police better, better equipped now in retrospect, you know, after all these incidents for the past, these pro Palestinian incidents on January 6th, are they better equipped, better prepared? And so they were able to handle this a lot better. Cause if the police, I think you kind of alluded to it, if the police weren't there in the numbers that they were, maybe this could have been a, a very poor situation worse than it already was so there is kind of that whole what if game as well it's really difficult and like you said i think the footage just showing it and allowing people to see and kind of come to their own opinions is super important as well and and kind of to the the scope of the protests you joined the show to discuss these that they were occurring at college campuses a while back so this war in the middle east has really not slowed down in the last few months and neither have these protests so from what you're witnessing, either in person, I'm sure you're right on top of these, you know, even online watching all of this footage. Are these beginning, are these getting more extreme and more violent? Are they kind of staying at the status quo? What is your concern for the future if this war isn't ended soon or some agreement isn't reached and potential violent protesters are not held to account? Two two concerns with that. One is the escalation of the conflict. I mean, you saw a lot of people protesting about the Yemen conflict that has now cropped up. So I'm certainly concerned that this is not going anywhere and going to involve other countries and other nations. And the second thing, uh, this is interesting, is the weather. So it wasn't Iowa cold. It wasn't Michigan cold. It was horribly cold demonstrating in broad daylight in D.C. in January. And people were wrapped up and cold. Uh, I'm telling you, when it gets warmer and uh, more people will come out and the temperatures are going to be better, if this conflict doesn't slow, you're going to see more violent, more extreme, and more numerous protests in, in certain environments, especially as we get closer to the election here. So the warmer weather and the increasing conflict is going to be is going to be pretty uh, scary moving forwards. And I'll tell you this too, Nick. So you mentioned are these escalating. So after they 
quote unquote, breached the fence, they evacuated all non-essential personnel from the White House. And that had not happened before. I'd never been at a protest where they did that. So these are definitely escalating. And as it gets warmer and more volatile in the East, you're going to see more of these and they're going to get worse. Yeah, you're going to see more of them, but are you going to see them on the mainstream media? Because uh, to your point, I, I could not imagine standing outside in the cold like that for for an extended period of time. They they must have been you know quite hot and bothered, obviously, to get out there and do that. But with the summertime coming, we can I guess you can kind of make a, a somewhat direct comparison to what happened during you know the summer of fire, as some people call it, the Black Lives Matter protests. But even with all the violence that was in those protests, the mainstream media did not cover that. Or even if they did, they weren't honest about it. And so I don't know if they've if they're going to learn their lesson. If the the growth of independent uh, journalists such as yourself are able to you know kind of pick up the slack where there may not have been, um, gosh, it may not have been there during the uh, Black Lives Matter protests and riots. Uh, what is your assessment there? Do you do you think it's going to be kind of more of the same and? I, I just I just don't know. It, I think it's going to be difficult to see the uh, to see even mainstream media coverage of an escalation of riots. I, I don't think it's going to I don't know what point it would have to reach in order for the mainstream media to address it, I guess, is, is kind of my concern. Yeah, I don't know if it's a point that would have to reach, but it's who's doing the reaching. You know, we've seen right. endless, endless coverage of the J6 situation as opposed to, again, the summer of fire or multiple riots since then. You're not going to see more mainstream coverage of the situation. I mean, they're just not there. I mean, I've been to, again, 15 of these. I've been all over the country reporting. I never see mainstream media at any of these things. And they're huge, massive stories. So. I don't think you're going to see it at all. And, and folks like yourself are going to cover it, you know, more independent spots. And then folks like us at Border Hawk News, you know, we're going to be on the ground. We're going to be showing this footage because people aren't. and People need to know what's happening in their country. Oh, when can we expect a book on all these adventures? Are you going to wait a little longer until you have more uh, protests underneath your belt? I'll probably keep waiting. Um, <laughs> uh, my goal in all this is to not draw attention to myself at all, but I'll probably make a video here about, uh, you know, how to cover a protest or come with me on a protest or something like that. But sure, <laughs> no books sure. as of now. Yeah, just give me a little bit of a hard time. Wid Lyman of Border Hawk News. You can follow his work on X at Wid underscore Lyman. That's W-I-D-L-Y-M-A-N. And find Border Hawk News at borderhawk.news online. Wid, thanks for making the time for us today to catch us up on all of these important happenings, especially in D.C. this past weekend. It's good to be with you. Thank you, and go Lions.